This is the only job I ever wanted. And this is the only place I ever wanted to be. The minute that headset goes on, he's there. He sounds like he's 30 years old again. From my lips to your ears, thanks for listening. So how do I acknowledge the hundreds of thousands of people who have gone through the doors at the Odd and here at Key Bank Center? How do I acknowledge millions listening and watching over the last 51 years? I'll tell you how much I appreciate your beautiful noise. I have only three words, just three. I love you. See a thumbs up, the crowd's acknowledging him. What a great night for RJ. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Jenner. They're going to say he was probably the most exciting, you know, play-by-play -play guy that, you know, that we've ever heard. Oh, what a save by Miller! Oh, you want to roll a highlight film? Baby, start rolling right now! He is, in so many ways, this franchise. Your name will hang in the rafters. Top shelf, of course. He'll live forever because, you know, it'll be there. But your voice will echo forever. Thanks for traveling around with me on this road for the last half century. It's been a hell of a ride. And on this day, our beautiful noise has been silenced. But our earthly archives will forever be enriched by the history that we witnessed with him. The moments only he could take to that next level. So we must do our level best to smile through the tears and be grateful for his more than 50 years. RJ was ours and he always will be. With Marty, I'm Brian, and with you are all of us on this day. And it's hard to turn in any direction right now without hearing people talk about RJ or even in Alumni Plaza right now at Key Bank Center, where people pay tribute. Marty, it's um, very fitting to the man that we love so much and to his family that we extend our deepest condolences to Sandra, to Mark, and Chris, and Shelly. Um, this is a tough one. Yeah, it is absolutely crushing, Duffer. I won't lie. Um, you and I talked last night, and this morning has been very, very busy. Um, getting so many text messages from so many different people and wanting to share um, their memories of RJ. 
the broadcaster, but I, I think of RJ Deman. I think of you talked about Sandra and the kids and the grandkids. I think of Cupcake and the Grandbrats, as RJ would call them all the time, right? And that was that's that's the person, that's the the human being he was, the the loving father and husband and grandfather that he was. And uh, you know, the the great friend that he was to so many. And um yeah, a great job by the Sabres to put RJ's um, letters outside in the Alumni Plaza, to have his banner in the window, and to have a call, all of his famous calls on loop outside Key Bank Center right now for people to go and pay their respect. Um, and that's what we're going to try to do here on Sabres Live for three hours. We have so many people that wanted to spend five, ten minutes just talking about RJ, and we're going to do that. And it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. So many of those people that we will hear from in the next three hours were on the ice with RJ the night that his mm -hmm. banner went up, or they were on the ice last season when Ryan's banner went up and RJ and Ryan were able to share in that moment, their collective moments of greatness. And there is one incredibly unique individual to the history of the Buffalo Sabres, and that is Joel Darling. We have been so blessed by the greatest voices in not only franchise history, but from hockey history's perspective, which is why Ted Darling is so duly honored by the Hockey Hall of Fame, why Rick Jenneret is honored by the Hockey Hall of Fame. And Joel just took his love of his father's work, his respect and admiration for Rick Jenneret, and has turned it into this incredibly long career as a sports and hockey television executive. And Joel is with us here to start our celebration of Rick Jenneret today. Hi, Joel. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, good good morning, and uh, thank you for having me on. I, I first of all, I apologize. I'm at the Vancouver airport here, about to get on a flight, um, but I appreciate you uh, having me on. And listen, on behalf of our family, um, our condolences to the entire Generat family. Um, we've lost a great man, a great friend, and uh, you know, uh, an icon in Buffalo who's has become a legend. And uh, it's great to hear all those clips that I've heard this morning and that I've seen all over social media. Um, is a great man and, and certainly will be missed. Joel, do you remember the first time you got to meet Rick Generate? Obviously, maybe at the auditorium or, or in some way, shape or form around the game of hockey. Do you remember what that was like meeting him for the first time? Well, I remember I was a runner up in the press box, um, so I was a bit of a rink rat um, going way back into the 70s there. So, um, um, so you know, as a rink rat running around the uh, the auditorium back then, um, you know, it was really special. I I remember taking scores into the into the press box each time, um, and. Uh, walking in there all the time with uh, scores and dropping them off for him or my dad or Pat Hannigan, you know, guys over the years. So uh, I remember him as a little kid, obviously, uh, being around the game. What did, what did you used to see in the press box back in the day? A lot of beers, a lot of cigarette smoke. Like, what, what were you seeing at a very early age? 
Yeah, that was uh, okay. certainly in the old days there, right? Lots of uh, lots of things that <laughs> maybe as a young kid uh, I grew up quickly. But uh, yeah, he was just he was so much fun to be around. And listen, as as a young kid, we went on fishing trips with with Mark and Chris and Rick. And again, I mentioned Pat Hannigan and. Uh, we used to go up to the Kawarthas north of Peterborough and go on fishing trips with them every June. And uh, so those are great memories that I, I had, certainly with them away from the game. Um, but you know what? I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about this morning, I think, was, was the respect my dad had for him and the respect Rick had for my dad. Um, I've got a great picture of the two of them in the booth that's uh, in my ba- in my basement at home that's uh, on the wall that's a fantastic picture um, but I, you know, I, I was even thinking this morning, I remember my dad had a call once Housley had scored a goal and he scored the goal and he said, scores, Phil Housley. And then he said, or if you prefer, wow, we Housley. <laughs> so again, I think it just the respect the two of them had for each other. And, uh, it's, uh, like that he's to be missed, uh, what a voice. And, uh, some of those calls are just, uh, so amazing. You talk about the respect, um, you know, for many, they think of Rick Jenneret as the voice of the Sabres. Rick Jenneret would always say there was one voice to the Sabres, and that was the one of your dad, Ted Darling, obviously. Um, when they were both working together, was there, and I know you just mentioned the Wowie Owsley, but I mean, there's got to be some, a little internal competition, right? You all want to be the best, and you also, it was there, like, times where you got home and your dad was like, oh. I'm sure RJ had a better call than me tonight. I didn't have it. I'm going to get him next game. Like, was there a little bit of that internal competition that made both of them so much better in the end? I, I'm sure there probably was. Nothing that I ever saw or ever heard. Um, to me, as a kid growing up, they just uh, seemed like they were great friends who worked together. Um, it didn't seem anything more than that. And uh, again, I think, you know, again, when I look at the two of them, they both did what they loved both did what they want to do when they were little kids. You know, they wanted to do that uh, all their lives and, you know, had a chance to do it in, in a city that they loved and, you know, with the team that they loved. So I, I don't I don't think there was that competition. And, and I think when you think about today's business, you know, a lot of people will say this, this television, radio business can be a little bit cutthroat. I, I don't remember that at all between the two of them over the years. I think it was a, a deep respect and friendship and, uh, they were different. Their calls were different. Um, they sounded different, um, and uh, uh, they they just uh, had their own way about doing uh, their own play-by-play, and it was their style. And again, even with Rick, when I think of Rick, I think of the words like authentic and spontaneous, off the cuff. You know, some things that he did that uh, really were amazing. Just hearing you say that, and knowing the position you've been in in your career to work with so many broadcasters it it must i i'm at a loss for how you would describe not only rick but your dad to other broadcasters you've worked with over the years people that have asked you about them like what's what's one way to describe your dad as a broadcaster and rj as a broadcaster and and we're fortunate to to have young people ask us all the time about this business, but you've seen it from such a unique position, Joel. Well, I think, as I said, I, when I think of Rick, I think spontaneous, off the cuff, sometimes crazy. I think we could use that word. 
um, you know, and and loud and uh, intense. Um, so that's certainly for Rex. My dad was more of a traditional uh, type broadcaster, I think. Um, you know, he, he idolized, my dad idolized Danny Gallivan. So I, I heard a little bit of him in him over the years. But, uh, you know, certainly my dad was a little bit more traditional and, and Rick was uh, kind of that new age, um, you know, uh, as I say, intense, spontaneous and, and very authentic. So very different in some ways. Um, but in the end, trying to paint a picture, that's what they were trying to do. And they both did it in their own way. So today, um, Duffer and I are wearing our turtlenecks and I've got my suspenders on. Was there a, and you worked with a lot of broadcasters, was there a broadcaster that you can remember being known for what the broadcaster would be wearing? Even though RJ was on camera for literally two and a half minutes a night. Like it was never, he was never on camera, but people remember RJ with the turtleneck and the suspenders. Do you know anybody that had that mark to be able to, to, be not only heard but seen in just a short time on the air well i think of somebody like bob cole uh you know who retired a few years ago but sat in that seat on hockey night in canada for all those years um i think um you know he was unique you know he would sit down and unbuckle his pants you know when he sat down to call a game um so uh, i think of bob bob was a little bit unique Um, and was interesting and always character, right? That's what Rick was too, you know, character. And uh, I certainly think, you know, Bob was like that. Don Cherry as well, obviously a character. So, I mean, I think those are the great broadcasters that let their personalities come out on the air and uh, nobody, nobody's not going to tell you that Rick's personality didn't come out on the air. We're blessed for the great voices we've had. And Joel, thank you so much for sharing with us today. That's Joel Darling. Thank you. And sorry. Yeah, you're no, no worries. Just a little cut out there at the airport. Yeah. yeah, Joel, travel safely. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Take care. Um, you know, I've known Joel now for it feels like forever. But what what's really, you know, when he immediately talked about the respect, Marty. I think the best part about what we've been experiencing the last couple of years with this team is things feel genuine. They feel authentic. And whenever we've had a moment of team success over the last decade in season, right? Joel will reach out. Hey, great. This, you know, he's always watching. He's never not connected to what's happened here in Buffalo. And part of it is because RJ always deferred to Ted. It's the Ted Darling Memorial Press Box. Mm -hmm. Ted is the voice. RJ never, ever, ever, ever wanted that to be said about him. And I think that is incredibly rare, but it's just this continuation of authenticity that is, is so much on display. Yeah, it was. And and you're right when RJ was like, I am not the voice. Ted Darling is the voice. Ted Darling was the 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 person that the Sabres uh, so uh, like identified with. And obviously that was being modest because yeah. RJ over 51 years has spanned over multiple generations. And I keep saying the same thing is that the reason why RJ was so good for 51 years is he connected with the young. 
the young mm. people that grew up loving him. It wasn't like I'm speaking to 40, 50, 60 year olds that love watching the game. He was speaking to 12 year olds, seven year olds when he did his, his broadcast. And that's why um, for many generations, he became the voice of the Sabres. Dan Dunleavy calls the games for us. And he's with us now to share in this three hour tribute to Rick Jenneret. Hi, Dan. Hey guys. How you doing? First of all, Oh, I'm glad we're together. I can tell you that. Yeah. And, and, and it does feel like we're all together here and that's, yeah, it's, we, um, we, we, we need to always be mindful of that. Right. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. We get caught up in a lot of silly things in life. I'm in that group. And, uh, then when you get that notice or that call, when something just changes everything forever, and then you're left to kind of pick yourself out of the muck and not feel sorry and find the gladness in, in knowing somebody like Rick and working with him so closely. And I think all three of us can agree that if you had told the five-year-old us that at some point in our careers, we would work with a personality like Rick Jennerette so closely for this long that we had certainly and Marty as a player and a broadcaster, um, he never would have imagined it, but it, it happened. And uh, certainly glad for that. As our boss, Chris Ann, put it last night, we were blessed and she's not wrong. Now, um, we always remember the first time we hear somebody legendary like RJ. And I remember waking up to the highlight shows on RDS, French TV in, in Quebec, right? And they would always play the great RJ calls, the La 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 Fontaine and the McGillney calls and, you know, the Hasek saves and all of that. Um, I, I, I barely knew any players on Buffalo, but I knew RJ was the broadcaster. <laughs> um, when's the first time you heard RJ or even met him for the first time or you wanted to to break into the business? So I'm sure you were paying attention to the great ones were all around the National Hockey League. Yeah, well, growing up in Southern Ontario, as you guys both know, and many of our listeners do, I mean, you were already glued to uh, a broadcast out of Toronto or a broadcast out of Buffalo. They were on regular TV. You didn't have to stream it. You didn't have to find it. You didn't have to buy it. It was right there. So for us growing up watching on television and being able to listen on radio as well in Southern Ontario, um, you know, you got a, a dose of both Ted Darling and Rick Jenneret. So that was magic right there. And um, you know, what I remember most, and I've told you both of you this story and Brian and I worked together at the fan when, um, I was just charged with putting a show together and I'm repeating myself to YouTube, but for anyone who's listening for the first time, which we like to do as broadcasters here, uh, it was a highlight show the morning after sports show for half an hour, five 30 in the morning. You think who's listening? Uh, but it was to launch the morning show. And I remember, and this is the, this is so true. I said, Every show we can, we have to have a Rick Jenneret call because that is what is going to make the show. And we played play-by-play -play clips, and Brian knows this. Uh, I'm sure you hosted the show at some point. Um, it's called The Scoreboard, and we would just play last night's game highlights, baseball, hockey, football. didn't matter. But uh, the edict was to the producers, we need to find an RJ call because it will just have the show jump out of the radio, just like he did when calling the games. And for many people in Toronto who perhaps didn't get a chance to listen to him on a regular basis, for whatever reason, uh, we certainly want to give him the chance. So, you know, Marty, I think that that would be it for me. Um, I mentioned earlier this morning on, on GR that, you know, my mom's favorite call was the La 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 Fontaine call because it was just something that my mom would love to sing. And she would just say it over and over again all the time. And that was the uniqueness of, of Rick and his, his greatness, right? I mean, it was, something so unique that only he would come up with. And that's the beauty of art and, and an artist, you know, they come up with their own artistry and he did. 
but it was like a hook in a song. It was it was like uh, Hey Jude or, you know, whatever song line you want to think of. He came up with it and you just couldn't let it go. And to this day, you can't let the calls go. And I know um, I haven't been down to the rink yet, but I've seen and heard that they're playing uh, his calls rolling over uh, out in the plaza. And I think that's just marvelous um, to do in, in a tribute to RJ. So, um, you know, that would, I guess, be my story of first hearing him for sure. And and making sure that other people heard him too, because, you know, we knew as broadcasters how amazing and rare this was. And you needed to get that out. Did you guys ever call him Rick? I did all the time, actually. I never did. Funny. Yeah. Um, when I hear ta- people calling him Rick today, I'm like, I don't know if I ever called him that. Yeah. Every time I saw him, hey, RJ, hey, RJ, yeah. hey, RJ. Well, like, you know, it's just so strange, right? Like, after all this yeah. time, like, I, the, it's those little things that are hitting me today. Like, huh, I never thought of that. Yeah, I don't know why I did call him Rick all the time. I think, Brian, honestly, I mean, my meeting him for the first time goes back to the mid-1980s with his son, Chris, and going yeah. to school with him. And I've shared that story before. So, And I didn't know that Chris was that Rick was Chris's dad. I had no clue when I walked yeah. into a bar to meet RJ for the first time. So he was Mr. Generette to me in that moment. And that's just yeah. how I grew up. That's an Elvis Presley thing. It was a yes, sir, yes, ma'am, Mr. This, Mr. That, uh, that I grew up with my father. So, yeah. uh, you know, and ironically, I always felt that Elvis was in the building when Rick was doing his job because he yeah. was just so unique. Um so I think, you know, Marty, for me, that's when he be, you know, he was the first of all, Mr. Generette. And then when I got here, I don't know, it's just a, you're right, Brian, it's RJ, but I don't know, just out of some kind of respect, I thought I'm, I'm going to call you Rick. I don't know if he liked it, but I did. I don't know what the, I don't know what the guy working the elevator in Florida called him, but I know <laughs> RJ called the guy working the elevator in Florida. Let me tell you. There's oh, a couple of guys who worked elevators that it didn't go over well. Oh, it didn't go high <laughs> enough. Oh my gosh. When RJ didn't have his pass that night and he got let out a floor early and he's like, bleep this. I'm not doing this game. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, holy cow. I was oh, pretty gosh. new to the group. I'm like, is this really going to happen? Is he just going to walk on yeah, this? So yeah. it was phenomenal. And that, that to me is like, I think the, 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 the fun thing with RJ is he loves putting you in your place just a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then you're left to wonder like, geez, how, how deep did he mean to cut there? Or how much was he just playing? Like 100% playing. And why has he got my head spinning right now? Because now I'm yeah. full of self-doubt and I don't know what, what he meant by all of it. But usually yeah. it just circles back to the heart, sharp mind, and just how fortunate we we were yeah. to be Can around I, him. I'll give you one quick story because I think you've got a great line. Yes. I, can't, I can't wait to hear Rip, actually. That Rip Simonic, yeah. for those that don't know. I mean, I can't wait because he would share with me as he probably has done with you, Brian, uh, many times, more stories about RJ than RJ ever shared about himself. So, yes, but one that I have, and I don't have many, but to your point about being put in your place and also not walking on eggshells around him, but realizing the greatness you were around, right? And you wanted to live up to his expectations of keeping things great as a Sabres broadcaster, generally, doesn't matter our role. It was, hey, there's a level of greatness here that he's continued on and he expected the rest of us to do the same. So there are always moments where I felt a little bit nervous around him, uh, no matter how comfortable he tried to make me. And to your point, but one night we were in Philadelphia. And for those that don't know, the meal room for the media in Philly is very narrow between the seats. I mean, you're really squeezing between these long tables to get to a chair, just to sit down and have a quick bite before, as you guys know, go to your booth and, and go to your studio. Well, I had a hot dog with ketchup on it and mustard 
and I had to go past RJ. So I had to walk and squeeze behind him. His jacket was on the back of the chair. Well, the ketchup from my hot dog wound up on his jacket and I knew it in the moment. And I thought, oh my gosh, I may never work here again. I honest to goodness in that moment, I thought this is it. That was a short lived tenure. Ketchup on RJ's jacket is not going to go well. He just looked at me and he gave me the look and then he smiled and I cleaned that ketchup up for him. And yeah, yeah, but you know, that was just one of those moments to your point of, uh of course, among all the prima donnas on the broadcast um, with the highest distinction pointing directly at me um he would be the last guy to care about his jacket oh true yeah <laughs> i'd be sitting here going oh my god can you see it on camera he'd be like i don't need the damn thing no uh, he wouldn't yeah and i'm glad to see you guys wearing the the gear i looked i ran to the closet to find mine after uh i saw yeah. you guys were dressed up like that but the sweaters yeah. are put away for opening night i was already thinking wearing the gold suspenders so i can only imagine yeah. what we'll all do for for opening yeah. night this year well amazing just yeah there's been we a lot. Lucky. There's been a lot in the last, I mean, 51 years, but there's been a lot in the last two years, three years um, yeah. that are just, I'm glad they're out there because we can, we can all attach our own words to those moments but the moments are there and that's, what's most important. So yeah, and, Dan, and, the, and that the city, the city got to say, Rick, we love you uh, yeah. on his, uh, his, you know, retirement ceremony night. That was so well done that you both were a part of and did a great job. Not all of us in life get a chance to take that bow yeah. and, and give the love back. And he yeah. did that. And uh, for that, I am forever grateful because I don't think we'll ever let go of that night. So no. And he wowed us all yeah. with, the simplicity and precise wording at the end of his speech. I love you. You could have set long odds on whatever you believed he was going to end with. I did not have that on my card. And I was like, of course he just said that. What else? Could I, I mean, it was perfect. RJ right to the last word. Right. And yeah, sure love was. that. Dan, thank you so much. Have a great show, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We have, obviously, as Dan was referencing, uh, a long, long, long list of, uh, of people joining us today to celebrate and to remember the great Rick Jenneret. We'll continue to do so on Sabres Live right after this. Danny Gare, Rip Simonic, right around the corner. We're back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Legendary names in Sabres history connected forever. The great Rick Jenneret talking Dominic Hasek and Marty, you and I being joined by two more that are synonymous with the franchise on this day where we reflect on the life of Rick Jenneret. Rip Simonic, longtime equipment manager for the team. He's known RJ almost your entire life, I think. And uh, Danny Gare with us right now, um, gentlemen. Thank you. Um, this is an incredibly hard day for all of us, but Danny, I know for you, it's uh, it's a long history with a man who uh, had a big role in the soundtrack of your career. 
Yeah, you know, a sad day in Saberland, uh, Duffer, and, you know, my condolences obviously go out to Sandra, his wife, and family. Um, RJ was a special, special man, and uh, I mean, I look back at playing my career and getting him to call with him on radio and, and television and uh, enjoy his fantastic, magical calls and and then after I retired from broadcasting, I got to watch it on TV. And what better thing as a fan to follow, um, you know, iconic uh, individual like him and a great friend. Rip, um, when, when did you meet him? Um, well, RJ, he had worked with the Buffalo Bisons in the American Hockey League. I was a young boy, 16 years old, and I got to befriend him and uh, when he uh, was signed up for the Sabres, I was uh, still going to college. And I decided forget college, go to work for the Sabres. And we became long, long, forever friends. I mean, my heart is broken. Um, it was very tough the last couple of years to watch RJ decline physically, mentally, sharp as a tag. Yeah. Knew every player, every team. And one thing for sure, and Danny can tell you, Marty, you can tell, Duff, when you were on the road with RJ, right to the first pub, NHL Network or Hockey Night Canada before NHL Network. So he knew every player. He knew all the lines. He knew everything. And his notebook was right between his ears. He was a very intelligent, intelligent announcer. Yeah, Ripper, um, I, I, I know as a player, you took care of us, right? We were high-maintenance, high-priced hockey players, and you took care of us, especially the goalies. But did RJ ever needed things from you? Did he ever ask, hey, Ripper, I need this. Ripper, I need that. Like, was there that relationship as you, the head equipment manager with the players, but also uh, a guy that helped RJ with, with whatever he needed? Well, one thing about RJ, when it came to being in the public and with the players and with the management, he was always, he was always like, this is good. This is fine. Uh, we're going to have a beer blast. You want to come over? Definitely, I'll be there. But... On a way back home on a plane, he would grumble all the way. But it was a loving <laughs> grumble. <laughs> you guys know that. But there's a lot of things that the guy was like, he could easily get into your heart and stay there. Yeah. 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 Danny, what, Danny, what do you remember? Like early, early, early on. What do you, what do you, what do you recall? I mean, you know, it was just, it was quite a time for you yeah. jumping into a very good team, RJ very early on, witnessing this very good team? Well, when you look at the Sabres broadcasters play-by-play, -play, I mean, obviously two Hall of Famers. First one was Ted Darling, um, and, and then RJ. He just took picked up right where Ted left off and and, and continued his, his, his amazing calls and, and a little different. You know, one of the things with RJ that I recall when I, you know, his voice was he's like Foster Hewitt. I mean, it just it was it was a classic hockey voice. And and one of the things that w when he saw, like Rip said, you know, the, the game, his preparation obviously was between his between his years. You know, he could do a New York Times crossword puzzle in about a half an hour, and those things aren't easy. I tried them, <laughs> but that's how intelligent he was. But his inflection was amazing. I mean, that's that's the thing that got me always was. When the game, when the goal, the team started to go towards a goal, you could see the rise in his inflection, his voice, and how it just increased and got better and better. And then the fantastic calls 
if the goal was scored. Yeah, I mean, there's um, so many of his amazing calls. Danny, you did like me. You were a player first, so he called yeah. you as a player, and then you got to work with him. I was so yeah. intimidated when I first <laughs> started working because of RJ. But then he has a way to – he had a way to make cracks at you a little bit to make you feel comfortable. I'll just read you a text he sent me. Uh, yeah. You know, last year – He says, you know what? You're really getting a lot better. The only trouble is you're also looking old. So that was RJ in a nutshell. Like he he had a way to make you feel so comfortable. That Do you yeah. remember him like kind of initiating you a little bit after you played and then starting with the broadcast? Well, I, I tell this story, Marty, and I think you guys may have heard it, but I'll give the uh, viewers and listeners a, a little background. And when I started on radio with him after I retired and um, – I went to the, we went to the MSG. It was just at the start of the season, Madison Square Gardens, and they hadn't finished the broadcast booth yet. They were still doing some renovations on it. So they put us in these, in the gallery gods, which you know where they are, in the blue section, and they had a table um, with, with four or five seats, regular, you know, seats. And we had this engineer, and we had a little monitor, and I've got all these notes and papers, you know, I'm trying to get all the <laughs> stats and, prepare for the game and he's just got the lineup blown up about 10 times because he couldn't see them <laughs> <laughs> so as the game goes on you know one of my papers fell down between the seats so I go to pick it up and the Sabre scored so luckily for me I have a monitor sitting there next to me and I'm going as the replay goes on I go now now watch Watch how Anderchuk gets the puck and watch watch how he, he looks for Howard Chuck. And Howard Chuck has an excellent job in seeing Mogilly. Mogilly, look look how he gets the puck to the net and looks for the top shelf. So he's there like this. He's, he's listening to me. And we're on radio, right? Yeah. He's going, they can't see. <laughs> they can't see. <laughs> <laughs> just subtly saying it to me a little okay oh, yeah. lesson learned <laughs> uh, how, when did um, your friendship take you into the uh, a different sporting venue as far as the horses are concerned and how much did you <laughs> hang out uh, Ripper uh, with RJ on the on the off days well he always was prepared mm -hmm. before we even went on a road trip he goes we know we're going to Florida So we could always go to Gulf Street. We know you're going to California. You could always go to Delmar. But he was always there. Never interfered with my job. I never interfered with his job. Yeah. Good handicapper. Uh, good better. <laughs> and you know what? Had to have a few beer. Yeah. Not beers. Beer. I got to have a beer. We have to have a beer after the game. So, I mean, <laughs> these guys know that. But uh, true blue. Yeah. True blue. Solid, solid man to befriend. Yeah. There wasn't probably 10 people in sports that I've been closer to than Rick Jenner. At. Danny, what about the shenanigans? And and we did a montage a few years ago of RJ on Halloween, right? Dressed up at Frankenstein or at, at Christmas and Santa Claus. Yeah. And then just all of that. Like, like you have, he, he was so comfortable within himself to not yeah. take himself so seriously. Like that was probably to me, Something that I have learned so much that it doesn't matter if you're doing NHL or if you're just calling a peewee hockey game. Like, you have to take it. It's a game. Have fun with it. Did that help you 
um, in in being a broadcaster as well? I, I obviously, you know, he he um, like again, he he just seemed to be at ease at at, at doing what he did, and I, I can remember another story that um, one of his. I was one of two other people on this famous call at the old auditorium. And it was when Pat LaFontaine was traded. It was a radio uh, game on. We were doing radio still, I should say. And we're up in this little box in the auditorium, myself and Barry Butel. And Patty got traded for Pierre Turgeon. And when Patty scored his first goal as a Sabre, Rick goes like this, like puts his hand like shut up. You know, and I was like, I've never seen this before. I've never seen this. Like, what's he doing? And then out of his mouth comes, I almost fell out of the friggin' booth. It was crazy. It was like the first time he ever did it. And I was fortunate to be one of the persons there when he did it. But he was, he was, um, yeah, he was just, uh, I often, you know, asked him, I said, do you, do you think of these things before you say them? And he says, a few times, but not a lot. He said, they just they just came to him. I mean, uh, that, May Day, you know, a number of the calls, the great iconic calls that he had. Mm-hmm. Rip, can you give us um, a sense of, even in recent years, what how players reacted behind the scenes, day of a game, Prior to the game, you know, RJ would often be down event level around the room. How do you describe their respect for him and what you saw and how they interacted with him? Well, obviously, Danny and Marty were around him a long time ago. And as the players got younger, RJ and myself got older, but RJ always made himself available. I mean, a lot of these guys that came in, especially the last five, six years, the kids knew the calls. They knew him. And you know what? He treated them all with respect. Uh, he was very, very uh, friendly to them. You know, he very, very well-wished every guy there, whether they were a superstar, whether they were a fourth-liner, third-string goalie, didn't make any difference. One thing that RJ never, ever did no matter what your status was on a team, he always treated the players with respect. And he expected that in return, which obviously all of us here respected him very well. I, I think respect is a word that we need to remember because there was games where I was terrible. And RJ <laughs> would, would would say something. It was respectful, but it was true. Like, Marty's not having his best night, but it's yeah. respectful and it's true. Danny, um, how hard was that for how hard is it for a broadcaster to walk that line? Like to be able it to is. show respect, but also be authentic and, and let the fans know that it's a good game or it's a bad game. Yeah, I mean, you know, RJ certainly, you know, 51 years with the Sabres, you you could call him a homer, you know, you could call him uh uh, a guy that, you know, understood, who, you know, who paid him, but he always knew if there was an issue or a, or a problem where the team wasn't playing. Well, I've said this before. I said the last, what, the Sabres haven't made the playoffs in 12 years. The last 10 years, he's been their most valuable player yeah. because of <laughs> keeping people around, because of, uh, of the followings that he has. I mean, hmm. by far, he has been um, – 
the the man that's that that has kept the the fans, the people. I mean, um, with his calls and and his and his fun loving way, everything, every way, everything he did he did on the broadcast was um, uh, truly a professional. Want one last uh, word or a few words? Well, RJ? one thing that I really enjoyed, one of my my saddest moments, other than today or yesterday when he passed was I never got to hear his calls live. I was always on the bench. I was always in the locker room. I was either doing something, but for sure, I listened to every one of his calls after the game, on the plane, on the replays. And one thing about RJ, he, like you said, he makes you comfortable. He banters back and forth with Rob Ray. I don't know if Rob Ray would even challenge him because RJ would kick his butt. So we know that. So, and, uh, but uh, we have to respect what he stood for and why he stood for it. Danny, well, like Rip, Rip said, he never heard live. I, I, you know, was fortunate to work with him um, live. Uh, I think the one thing with with RJ was, uh, you know, I never got to be a color analyst like uh, Harry Neal or Jim Lawrence and. Razor. Um, so I got to couple in his last call a couple years ago. I got to work with him as a, a color analyst next to him. And it was one of the thrills of my life for a period. And I also um, voiced over his video when he got his his number number or his name retired, which was richly deserved. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was just uh, a good man. He always, you know, Gave to the community. He'd come to my golf tournament just to call him up. Yeah, I'll be there. You know, anything with charity work. He was, he was around. He was always easy and approachable. I I think what um, when you look at, you know, the, the thing that Kevin Adams uh, mentioned in in his response was not only was and I thought it was a great line. He goes, not only was he the voice of the Sabers, but he was the voice of the city. And you know, he certainly he. He did that so well for so many years, and he, I'm glad to call him, as Rip said, a friend. They all are his friend, and um, rest in peace, RJ. Danny, Rip, thank you so much. Um, it's been an honor to, to share this time, a time we didn't want to have to have together, but uh, it's made better by your presence, and uh, thank you again for being here today. Okay, rest in peace. I'll be on your tombstone, RJ. Remember I told you that a lot of times. (laughs) (laughs) We continue remembering RJ after this on Sabres Live. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Uh, just the, the person he was, he was, you could walk up to anybody, could walk up to RJ and, and have a conversation with him. And I, I think that RJ took the interest in the player. He got to know the player a lot. And, you know, he was one of those guys you would be around all the time. And he was almost like your dad or grandfather there that, you know, these guys are looking at him. That's almost like a comfort zone for him. And and the way he did his job, it was never in a, a, a negative light or anything like that. He always trying to find the positive side. So, no, and never a threat to anybody or a player wise. So, you know, I, I just think he was just, easy to be around for the guys and I know that you know back when we played and things would happen you you couldn't wait to get off the ice to to rewind the the tape to to see how RJ described it and 
you know, he left a, an impression in guys' eyes because they wanted to do something special just because they know that he would have taken it to the next level and made it even greater. So I, I, I just think that uh, he, he was never a threat to anybody, and I think the players understood that and felt that, so they felt open to him. Rob Ray, more than 900 games in his NHL career, most of them in a Sabre uniform and a bond with Rick Jenneret as a broadcaster for now, what, 15, 16 years, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. I mean, we talk about the brawl game and there was razor between the benches for that. This is a, this is a long relationship and a real, um, real tough day for razor. Um, I know he may not uh, have shown it in that little clip there on zoom, but, um, uh, we know he's hurting as we all are today. And, um, the big guy, the big guy doesn't show it often, but I know inside, I talked to him last night and I know that in his voice, I could sense it tougher. And they, he was, he was close to RJ. Look, when yeah. they still traveled, um, when RJ still traveled, you know, the, the razor was the guy like making sure that he got, he got RJ out to dinner and they went for that one beer as, uh, you know, uh, Danny Gay was talking about. Um, but like, like Razor just said right now, you wanted to go back and listen to the RJ call because you wanted to see what he made it sound like. When I got into the fight with Ray Emery, and it was obviously a, a big moment in, you know, Sabres history that people remember, remember me, Rob Ray was his first year as a, I think it's his first game in between the benches. You listen to the Ottawa call and I am losing the fight like, you know, or that round by unanimous decision. You listen to RJ's call, not that he was a homer, as Danny Gare said, but he's giving me the benefit of the doubt. Like, I feel like maybe I tied the fight <laughs> with RJ's call, but I lost the round 10 to 0 with the Ottawa Senators call. We talked about this so much um, because of the, all the RJ stories that we shared leading up to his banner night. And I think one way that really put it into context of how he could call a game, keep the anticipation building, express how disappointing a moment might be, but not calling anybody out by name, was made very clear in the sequences where they simply couldn't get the puck out. And this plagues every team many a night. But if you were listening just on radio and it's up the boards and it's not out, it's not the, and it's still not out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and <laughs> I can vividly remember listening to those games. And at that moment, my mom would get so frustrated. Like, you know what? How can they not get the puck out, right? Because she's living it through the excitement and the anticipation that RJ's trying to get uh. the puck out of the zone for them, you know? And and it's just, it's we all have that moment or moments where, oh, I'm, I'm hanging on every word. And you know his anticipation skills were so good. And then they said, oh, come on, come on, just get the yeah. puck out. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, who knows Again, what's going to happen. Another great save by you or Dom. Or of him to just show and tell you what's happening instead of saying, oh, my God, they're terrible. They can't get the puck out. But yeah. you can sense it in his voice without yeah. the words. They're terrible. They can't get the puck out. Let's go do something. Yeah. So that well, was impressive. Joel Darling, Dan Dunleavy, Danny Gare, Rip Simonic already. And still to come next hour, Lindy Ruff. Stu Barnes, the great Doc Emmerich, Marcus Felino, and more. We're remembering RJ today. 
And we're grateful that you're with us here on Sabres Live. 